lot of pressure today on the sermon uh, because I was talking to a friend of mine uh, right before church, and um, he's been a little bit sick and hadn't seen him in a couple of weeks. And so I said, how you doing? He told me how he was doing, and he said, here's the deal. He said, um, um, I, I don't cough unless I laugh deeply. So, guys, I'm not going to be funny today at all. I don't plan to tell any good jokes. I'm going to be boring and dull because out of Christian love, I don't want this friend to cough. Because if one person is at risk, you know, none of us can laugh. See, look at you guys. You're laughing right now, and you're, you're, you're putting the health of someone in risk. So, now, something that most of us don't enjoy is getting a physical of the doctor's. Okay, some of you who jog 10 miles a day, maybe you like to, you know, make your doctor feel bad about themselves. But most of us, it's like, oh, man, a physical at the doctor. It is important, so I want you to get a physical every year. That's my public service announcement today. Um, You know, annual reviews at work, those are just, oh, the annual review. I mean, that's just no fun. That's no fun. Uh, for, For those of you who are students, you know, finals, right? Finals are just... We dread finals. So yet these types of activities are are real important because they give us a snapshot of where we are at that moment based off our past experiences. Here we are today, and then they they move us forward into the future. And that's why my title today of this message is A Faith Checkup. And this is as we go into Galatians chapter 3. Paul, writing to his churches, are not his churches, they're Jesus' churches, but churches that he administered to in this region, uh, was saying, okay, I, I, I want to check up on you, and I want to make sure, as I've told you several times as we've preached through the first two chapters of Galatians, that you're not drifting away from faith, salvation by faith, through Jesus. So we need a baseline, and we need a starting so everywhere I go, like I'm asking people about origins because I'm kind of a self-appointed historian. Uh, I like to know the history of stuff. So we were on vacation, me and Beth and Lincoln, and, and we were in the gift shop of this hotel. And this like 17-year-old girl was like helping us buy mints and sodas before we got on the road. And I'm like, can you tell me the history of this hotel? And she looked at me like, no, I mean, you know, I embarrassed my family, but that's kind of what I do. Like everywhere I go, I'm like, when did this restaurant start? And what's the history? What year was this house built? And who was the builder? Just always wanting to know the origins of something. And that makes me a nerd and it it irritates my family and it sometimes embarrasses me too. But there is a reason for that because if you identify the origins of something, uh, then that, that lets you know what has motivated and what has brought us to this point. And sometimes it, it actually brings back to life a purpose that has been forgotten. So Paul is talking to these churches, and these churches had begun to believe that works were necessary to be saved. And the Judaizers were saying you have to be Jewish also. You have to observe all of the law. It's Jesus plus the law. And and these Judaizers were convincing and they used the Torah. They used scripture and and they they were giving characteristics that would be appealing. But just because someone has and presents appealing characteristics doesn't mean they're necessarily giving you the truth. And so you, you have to discern that under the word of God and under spiritual 
leaders. So Paul asked some questions, and I'm going to rephrase those questions. I'm going to give you four questions today, and this is going to be a good spiritual checkup for you as you get into the new season of the year as this calendar gives us a new season. Okay, here's the first question I have that, that comes from these scriptures. How did it start? How did it start? Start with verse 1 of Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians. Well, Paul didn't pull any punches there, didn't he? Did he? <laughs> he says, you, you big dummies. <laughs> you foolish Galatians. And this isn't the kind pastoral message here. This is a prophetic in your face. You foolish Galatians. Who cast a spell on you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? All right, let's talk about this for a second. Do you guys know what the stink eye is? You know what the stink eye is? I would try to give you guys the stink eye, but two things. I'm too loving to give you the stink eye. And the second thing is I have trouble with good facial expressions for just subjective reasons. Beth, Beth and others have encouraged me, you got to get more facial expression. Like this stuff just doesn't move. It just is kind of in one place, you know? So I don't have a good stink eye. But I have noticed this, is that when, when people become mothers and then that child hits about 12, God anoints mothers with stink eye. And it never, ever leaves. I mean, even after the kids are, let's say, 45 years old, or um, even, even church mothers in the church. I mean, and, and here's the anointing of the stink eye. One look can say more than a bunch of words. One look can say, get in line, or watch out where you're going, or come on, this is offensive, or this is heading in the wrong direction. And so I've got church, I've been around the church all my life. I've had church mothers all my life. I've got the stink eye a whole lot. Hopefully I'm getting it less and less as I mature in the Lord. Well, here in the context of, of the, the Galatians and in, in the, the Greek world is they were very, very scared of receiving a curse through the evil eye. And that was a big part of what they did. They, they, wanted, they didn't want to receive the curse from the evil eye. It's like when someone would give them a certain look, they believed that they were cursed. And so look at verse 1 again. It says, you foolish Galatians, who, who has cast a spell on you? Look at that in verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Who has given you the evil eye? They would actually say in, in some of their greetings, may you not receive the evil eye. Don't be cursed. So this would grab their attention. Like, yeah, who has put us under the evil eye? Who has put a curse on us by their look? Who has given us the spiritual stink eye? So all of a sudden, like the attention is up. You foolish Galatians, you big as those of you over 50 will remember Fred Sanford, you big dummy. That was just a great demographics test right there. You big dummy, you foolish Galatians, who has given you the evil eye? Who has given you the stink eye? Going back to verse one, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So what this is saying in the original language, and 
is saying, I always thought when I heard preachers, like, well, if it said it in the original language, why doesn't it just say it that, that way now? I understand, but this is getting more depth into what these words mean. It's like, it's like a billboard. It's like a billboard that you can't ignore. You, you, know that, you know that billboard that you're going down I-65 towards Nashville? You know that billboard? I don't know which billboard you're thinking of, but there's a, there's a billboard you're thinking of right now. Because it's big and it's strategically placed and it's obnoxious and it's really unsafe, but you're still kind of looking at it as you drive. He's saying that I was so clear about who Jesus was and what that Jesus was saving you only by faith. It was like a billboard, an announcement you couldn't miss. And contextually, it was like an announcement for an auction. Put out so everyone could see. Put out so no one could miss. And he's saying, you foolish Galatians, you, you big dummies. <laughs> I can't believe Paul said that. He's not as nice as I am. He, he, John wouldn't have said that. John, that's why he's John the Beloved. And that's why Paul is controversial. Beloved. Beloved, how did you miss out on that? Because you're so smart. That's how I would have put it, because I love you guys. But he said, you big dummies, you foolish, you missed out. Even though I said in a big sign, a big billboard, that Jesus, Jesus only saves you by faith, you have missed it. And so here's the question, going back to verse 1 again. Or verse 2, now let's go to verse 2. I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works, in other words, did the power of the Holy Spirit, did you earn it? Right? Did, do you have a deposit of God's Spirit because you're really good enough or qualified enough? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And the answer is obvious here. Not by works, but by, by, by believing. When we believe in the greatness of Scripture, in the greatness of the Word of God, and the greatness of the power of the Holy Spirit, that faith gives us a filling of the Holy Spirit. You can't manipulate the Holy Spirit. You cannot, you cannot conjure up the Holy Spirit. You cannot earn the Holy Spirit, but you receive the Holy Spirit. And that receiving of the Holy Spirit, Paul makes this argument. He said, I want you to look at the Holy Spirit and how you got him. And because now it's obvious you got the Holy Spirit through faith, not works, I want to remind you that's how you got Jesus too. You got him by faith, not works. Here's the second question. How's it going? Boy, don't we like asking that question? I ask that to people all the time. You know, how's it working for you? I ask that to myself a lot. How's it going? Look at verse 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Man, this happens to us a lot. After service last week, Daniel Becker and I, we were, he's sitting over here. He, we were talking about how when we first started preaching, you know, it was just harsh, man. It's like, Jesus saved us and there's nothing I did. And he saved me by grace and, and I'm totally clean and it's all Jesus is nothing. But then to other people, it was just hammering them. Hammer, hammered, hammered. A lot of young preachers do that. We just have to thank God people endure young preachers. Thank God for Paola Assembly of God in Paola, Kansas. I'd preach there every third Sunday night in college. And, oh, man, I got to practice on those people before I got to you guys. So God bless them. 
After beginning in the spirit, verse 3, are you finishing with the flesh? That's a lot of what we do. We talk about the greatness of Jesus and Jesus paid it all and it's, it's faith only and it's not works. But we function in a legalistic environment because a lot of times we're, we're trying to control behavior instead of submitting behavior. And so the mechanisms to control behavior is is to get people to question their salvation. You know, that's why even all through the Middle Ages, the Pope was excommunicating whole countries. Why? He was trying to control their leaders. He didn't have the power to do that. And that, that's, that's gone all the way from Rome to, you know, to the gospel tabernacle in, in Bucksnort, West Virginia. The, the, the 20 people at the storefront there. That's a mythical church I just made up. But, but the preacher there is going to try to control behavior by getting people to doubt Jesus. After beginning with the Spirit, after knowing that it's just faith that brought the Holy Spirit, why are you going back to works now? Why are you going back to bondage now? It, it, it's a very careful balancing act. It's a, it's a temptation that we all, we all can fall into. I think one of the, the wider uh, arguments for us today and for you today is I want to talk about your friendship with Jesus. Because let's talk about that. Let's not just talk about a theological pos- position. Let's talk about a heart reality. And I want to know where are you with Jesus today? Where are you with Jesus? Because a good question for you today is how's it going? How's it going? Uh, John, speaking of, John, he wrote to seven current churches in Revelation when, when, when he wrote it in around 95 AD. And he wrote to the churches in Ephesus. In, in Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your endurance, that you cannot tolerate evil people. This is all good stuff. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. You have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. Here's the key verse for this talk, verse 4. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This idea of what brought you into Jesus. What brought you to Jesus? Don't forget what brought you into Jesus. Don't become a modern-day Pharisee. Don't become a professional Christian. Remain a child. Remain innocent before the Lord. Not arrogant before his people. Innocent before the Lord. Like, like I, I want us to have this childhood, childlike love for the Lord that we're excited about the scripture. We're excited about when small groups start again. We're excited about Christian fellowship. We're excited about revelation from the Lord. We're excited about the church growing. We're excited about sharing Jesus with our friends because we're just into him. We're into the works of the Lord. It's, it's this childlike faith, but quickly we become so sophisticated. Go back to your first love. And some of you, that's all you needed to hear today. Love Jesus like you used to, and you'll love Jesus like you've never loved him before. Does that mean, isn't that a weird paradox? Stay with that, that, ro- that, that 
romantic type love that, that you first had with your spouse. Go back to that and you'll probably have a better marriage now. Go back to your first love and see what happens. Here's a third question. How does it happen? All right. How does it happen? How does God move? Did you experience, this is verse four, did you experience so much for nothing? Did you experience so much for nothing? This is a great question. If in fact it was for nothing. So then does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by you doing the work of the law? Now I just want to say this right here. This is why we are not cessationists. There's all, and, and all kinds of churches in Middle Tennessee, churches that I love, who don't believe in modern day miracles. They don't believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I think that's changing and that's coming broader. But it, in the first church, in the New Testament church, miracles happen. Healings happen. Deliverance happen. Signs and wonder happen. And, and guys, if we want it, it can happen with us too. You know, it does happen here, but I, I think the Lord wants it to happen in increased measure. How does it happen? By faith. So these people, I want to just point out, they just obviously, they just experience miracles. They experience miracles. It wasn't, it wasn't an analytical kind of, kind of something they've studied. It was something they experienced. So with that, back to verse 5. So then does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? And then they appealed to the most important person, one of the most important persons of the faith, the one who started the Jewish and Christian faith. Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited for him to righteousness. So God moves miraculously through his people because he loves his people. So why is it that all of these goofballs, and I'm going to call them goofballs, who don't live moral lives, the power of God moves through them? You've seen it happen where like God uses someone and there's a healing that takes place or a prophecy that takes place and then you find out they weren't living right. Why does it happen? It happens because God loves his people and he wants to touch his people. And it's faith, not works. It, it, I know it's confusing and it's hard and it's not ideal. But it's, it, and, and I'm, not, it, I'm not saying we should excuse sin at all or overlook that. If I know of someone who, who's not living a right life, I would, I would never participate in, in their ministry, but that's just how it is. The Holy Spirit's revealed by faith. The law is accomplished by works. So think about that. Law, works, Holy Spirit, faith. Let's do the Holy Spirit, faith part, right? Here's the last question. Who is it for? Pastor Aubrey, you can come on up, make your way up here. Who is it for? And this is great. I'm excited to share the scripture with you as we start Epiphany we actually started last week, but Epiphany was January 6th. So this is technically the first Sunday after Epiphany. Epiphany is when the worldwide church celebrates that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is not just for the Jews, who I love. I'm a Zionist. I love the Jews. But the Holy Spirit is for also for the entire world. And, and when the Magi came from the east, they came to worship him in many ways. They represented those of us who aren't Jews. And so verse 7 of Galatians 3, you know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now think about this for a second. Abraham's sons are not, just, not, not necessarily just a Jewish people. He says those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. We're daughters of faith. We're sons of faith. Our ancestors are people of faith. 
And so we carry on the faith that started all the way back with Abraham, verse 8. Now the scripture saw in advance, this is awesome, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. I almost can't believe that this scripture popped up on the first Sunday after Epiphany. He saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim God ahead of time to Abraham, saying that all nations, all ethnic groups will be blessed through you. Consequently, consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Man, I want to remind you, you guys, we are people of faith. I mean, you're watching this right now. You're here in this room. I want you to start focusing on what's right in your life, not what's wrong in your life. Come on, we're not deceived. We know that we're living in a sinful world. We are swimming in a culture of sin, a culture of violence, a culture of sexual immorality, a culture that cheats. I mean, like it's all around us. In fact, the scripture even refers to sometimes when we, when we may have had the most disciplined, ethical, moral day, we still have this moral filth that kind of gets on us. It's like, it's like walking outside and in the smoke, man, we just still smell it on us. And that's kind of how it is in this world that we live in because we can't even help sometimes that, 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 that the darkness that comes over us. But here's what I want us to do today. We're not going to focus on what's wrong with us. We're going to focus on what Jesus has made right. Hey, you're watching this sermon right now. You're here right now. You're in the game. You're in the fight. You're stepping in. You haven't quit yet. So you might not, you might as well not quit now. Because Jesus is compelling you. Jesus is calling you. Jesus loving you. Jesus is walking with you. Jesus will not quit on you. Don't quit on Jesus because Jesus won't quit on you. And so it is that saints of God, that's who you are. You are saints of God, not because of what you've done, but because of who he is. And you step into that identity where people of faith, not works. But faith means that we're going to cross the highest mountain. Faith means that we won't fear in the deepest valley. Faith means that we will not shrink when adversity comes. Faith means that we'll have integrity when everyone makes fun of us. Faith means that we will stay true to our vows maybe when it's hard. Faith means that we will shut our mouths even when we want to say a word that's difficult. Faith means that we will speak his truth when no one else wants to hear it. It's because we We are people that have been redeemed and empowered by faith. I want you to stand with me. I thank you, Lord, for God's redeemed people on this Epiphany Sunday, Lord. The light has come and the darkness has not overcome. The light has come and the light is here. And we're people of light. And we're going to step into the light. And we're going to look to the light. And we're going to focus on the light. We're not going to focus on darkness. Some of you just need to hear that today the Lord's saying, step in to your calling. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God today. Don't take on the identity Satan has prepared for you. Don't take on the accusation Satan is saying and telling you who he thinks you are. But the Lord is reminding you through this scripture today, through this service, who you really are. So step in to that identity.